Thirty days after he rose from the grave, Jesus Christ ascended bodily into heaven. That is the feast day we celebrate today, the ascension of Christ. And for nearly 2,000 years, from the very beginning, we have always understood the ascension of our Lord to be a literal, miraculous event. We believe it really happened. I mean, after all, the ascension of Christ is very plainly attested to in sacred scripture, and it is found in virtually every creed dating back to the apostolic era, meaning it is all over sacred tradition. Nevertheless, we live in a skeptical age, an age of unbelief, and there are plenty who dismiss the ascension of Christ as nonsense. For example, I've, I've heard atheists lampoon the ascension of Christ as the flying Jesus. Or maybe the skeptic would say, how, how can people take the ascension seriously? After all, how would Jesus survive the extreme cold of high altitude, let alone the unlivable vacuum of space? The objection, uh, it misses a fundamental point in the gospel. Consider that our Lord does not need to travel from point A to point B the way we do, and he showed as much um, throughout the gospels, right? So, for example, um, think of the resurrection appearance in the upper room. Uh, the disciples are behind a locked and closed door. Uh, they are afraid that what happened to Jesus will happen to them next. And the resurrected Christ suddenly stands in their midst. He's not a ghost. He's there with his glorified body. He can eat and they can uh, touch the wounds on his hands and his side as Thomas does. Right? We, it's impossible for us to go from point A to point B by passing through a solid object, but not for Jesus Christ. We're on the road to Emmaus, right? So on the, this is from Luke 24, and Jesus joins two disciples who are prevented from recognizing him at first, but they do eventually recognize him in the breaking of the bread. And no sooner do they recognize the risen Christ than he vanishes. Again, not something in the ordinary course of things that's possible. Moreover, we see Jesus doesn't move from point A to point B in the normal way, even prior to the resurrection. Matthew, Mark, and John all record um, various incidents of Jesus walking on water, as if on dry land in the middle of the Sea of Galilee, something that simply should not be possible. And in John's account of Jesus walking on water, the apostles were in a boat well off the shore of the Sea of Galilee. They see Jesus walking on the water towards the boat, are terrified. Jesus says, do not be afraid. And immediately the boat reaches the, its destination. It reaches the shore. How are these episodes possible? How is Jesus able to pass through solid objects like shut and locked doors or simply vanish or uh, walk on water as if on dry land? Well, Jesus Christ is true God and true man, and God is by definition omnipotent, all-powerful, thus nothing is impossible for him. But still, I imagine a skeptic wouldn't be convinced by what I've said so far. I'm, I'm sure he would object to each and every one of the examples from the Gospels I just cited. And this objection would reveal a philosophical assumption, or, or rather, philosophical bias behind the skeptic's worldview. He ipso facto, by the very fact, dismisses miracles as impossible. Of course, where is it written that miracles are impossible? And when you push skeptics on this, sometimes they might say something like, well, miracles are impossible because God can't act in a way contrary to the confines of the universe's physical laws. While it is true that God does often work within the bounds and rules of the universe he created, he has not limited these laws. Again, rem remember, these are laws that he gave to the universe, so to speak. So 
Thus, Jesus Christ, God incarnate, he usually walked on dry land, but to give his di disciples evidence of his divinity, he also walked on water, passed through locked doors, rose from the grave, and ascended into heaven to sit at the right hand of the Father. The skepticism and cynicism, the relativism and unbelief of our age, robs us of the hope of the faith and robs us of the hope of this great feast of ascension. What is that hope? Well, Pope Benedict XVI expressed it well when he wrote, quote, in Christ's human nature, the humanity in which we all share has entered into the inner life of God in a new and hitherto unheard of way. It means that man has found an everlasting place in God, end quote. The whole purpose of the miracle of the ascension is that it points out the way for all flesh. It is a physical miracle and in involving a real glorified physical body, right? It, the ascension means that Christ and his glorified body has gone before us to the Father's house to prepare a way for us, prepare a place for us, as he said in John 14. And if we persevere in the faith, if we persevere in striving to love God and neighbor, we have the hope uh, that our faith provides us, that death is not an end, but a change. Yes, when we die. Our soul is separated from our body and our body is buried. Yet on the last day, our souls and body will be reunited in the resurrection of the dead. We have the hope of one day living in the new and eternal Jerusalem with a glorified body reunited to our soul. With all the angels and saints, with God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The ascension shows us that this life is a pilgrimage towards our true homeland. And at the end of, the of our life, we will be asked to give an account as to how we have used the gifts and talents God bestowed upon us. We'll have to give an account to Jesus Christ, the enthroned judge seated at the Father's right hand. You know, the unbelief of our age, it, it not only robs us of the hope of the ascension, but it hardens our hearts and dupes us into thinking we can define for ourselves the meaning and purpose of life. What are we to do? in this age of unbelief. Well, I would say we get a hint in our readings. So in the first reading from the Acts of the Apostles, Jesus says, essentially, you'll receive the Holy Spirit and then be my witnesses. I can imagine the apostles saying, well, aren't we already your witnesses? Didn't we see your miracles and see you rise from the grave? Yes, you did. But look at the gospel, our gospel from Matthew. What does it say? It says that they worship the risen Christ, but they doubted, right? That is why at the ascension, Jesus tells them to wait until they receive the Holy Spirit, because apart from the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit, they won't uh, be able to fully grasp the supernatural events of Christ's passion and death and resurrection uh, and his ascension, right? It is the Holy Spirit who convicts them in a dramatic way of the truth uh, and the reality of what transpired on Good Friday, Holy Thursday, Good Friday, Easter Sunday, Ascension, Pentecost, etc. Next week, we celebrate the Feast of Pentecost, and we must pray that the Holy Spirit be poured out anew. We receive the Holy Spirit ordinarily in the sacraments, in, in baptism, and confirmation especially. But we ought to, as we approach this feast day, pray that the Holy Spirit might be poured out anew on our souls to strengthen our faith so that in this age of unbelief, we hold fast to the Word of God. The word of he who cannot deceive nor be deceived. May the Holy Spirit fortify our faith so that we believe even in the midst of a skeptical age. And may the Holy Spirit give us the zeal to see this life as it really is, a pilgrimage towards our true homeland of heaven, the new and eternal Jerusalem.